Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Today I thought we would talk about urinary tract infections. I actually had a friend email and say, Hey Sue, I've got a suggestion. And I'm really glad she did that because I have been thinking about this one because it is so important and it's such a problem in so many people's lives that it's it's really definitely worth addressing. It probably won't be a really long podcast, but if you want to go to our website, Homeopathy for Mommies, you can log in. I don't know. You have to like give your email address or something, and then you can download and go to my notes that I use for this podcast. It's really worth looking at for your loved ones who have this problem. And, well, I guess we're going to start talking about the gut floor, first of all. Everywhere you turn, if you have any knowledge of the natural nowadays, you're hearing about gut flora, gut flora, gut flora. For so many years, for so many generations, that was simply taken for granted. And we've talked about this on different podcasts, but traditional Chinese medicine says, if you want to know what's going on with a man, look at his gut flora. You are what your stomach is. It's that simple. You know the old saying, you are what you eat? It used to be a joke when us kids were in school. It's not a joke. It's the absolute truth. And so what's going on for people who are susceptible to urinary tract infections? First of all, there's two reasons they're susceptible. (laughs) Because again, all emotion, remember we cannot stress this enough, all emotion runs through the kidney meridian. So people who are basically more sensitive than other people have are more prone to kidney infections or bladder infections or urinary tract infections and so they're more susceptible or if they've gone had a lot of um, emotional stress lately or if they've had even just a one big time stress or if something's going on in their life that's just slightly different and it uh, takes more attention for them that can cause that undue extra stress and then they can become more susceptible because they're naturally sensitive. Another thing that's going on is we talk about gut flora and I had a guy come in the store the other day and he was like, oh yeah, well I just found out that we have a lot of strep throat going in in our house and the doctor told us that you know, we have to look at what's we're being exposed to and so on and so forth and I explained to him that I said, sir, Everyone is exposed to strep and staph and all these different bacterias on a daily basis. Our bodies are comprised of all these different bacterias. It's just that in a healthy body, all these bacterias are being kept in balance. And it's as soon as the immune system drops below where it should be, then the bad guys can kind of take over. It's kind of like a perpetual war going on. The bad guys 
are always trying to eat up the good guys. The good guys are always trying to keep the bad guys at bay and they're keeping them under control. So it's 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 just a matter of keeping that balance in a healthy body, proper exercise, you know, and, and the whole water thing. <laughs> I mean, I know this is just, this is not going mainstream right now, but I've tried to explain to people that depending on your body constitution, some people need more water than other people. And I never ever tell anyone to drink tons of water all the time because that's really hard on the kidneys. If you don't need it, it's really hard on the kidneys to have to flush all that stuff through. I have, and people say, yeah, but if you wait till you're thirsty, then it's too late. It's not either. That's the body's natural mechanism kicking in. If the sodiums are proportioned properly, when you become thirsty, it's time to drink. Again, you never see a horse walk over to the water trough and take a little sip and walk away, come back a couple minutes later, take another sip, walk down, take a couple of trees, gant, come back and take another sip. He doesn't drink like that. A horse will go several hours, he'll walk over to the water trough, and he'll take a long drink of water. And that way the body can use that water, it flushes things that aren't supposed to be there, it nourishes and feeds the cells, and that's the way we're supposed to be <laughs> be drinking. And it's kind of funny because I, I see people on, you know, like I even go hiking or I go on the bike trail or whatever, we're five miles from one town to another town. Uh, there, there's there's going to be a pump in each of those towns in the in the park, a decent pump in our area. You know, it's kind of cool. So unless it's like 100 degrees out, you can certainly make it those five miles, even if you're just walking before needing a drink again. And here all you these people are running the bike trails or walking or whatever, and they're all carrying a water bottle like they're going to die before they get to the next town. <laughs> It's kind of funny. Yes, you can sweat out a whole lot of water even if you're running that whole distance, but the body isn't designed to be that wimpy that it needs water that often. We need good water when we drink, and we don't need it that often. So just kind of keep that in mind because, like I said, yes, you need good, clean, fresh water when you're sick or when you've got something going on. You need it more often, but always remember to take decent quantities. Don't fill your stomach up so that you've distended your your whole abdomen but have a nice eight ounces of water or to 12 ounces of water at a time and then don't drink again for several hours just it's just like eating we don't need to constantly snack yes it's better to have six small snacks a day or five my grandma used to say have three small meals and two little snacks in between and that's just that's a wonderful way of eating by a snack that means an apple or a grapefruit an orange or something like that Anyway, okay, I'm getting kind of sidetracked, but I, <laughs> I just, I can't stress enough that we need to really stop and think about the way God has designed us. You never see a farmer out baling hay with his, you know, water bottle hooked on his hip because it would get in the way. <laughs> he stops after a few rounds when he's feeling hot, tired, and thirsty, and he'll have a nice, good drink of water. Then he'll get back to work. And I remember my dad even telling the story of when he was a little boy and they had the workhorses and he would sit on the one workhorse. What were their names? Barney and something. Anyway, and he would go out with his his dad, my grandpa, and he'd sit on Barney and they would start plowing. And they had a, I think it was just probably a one bottom plow or maybe two bottom plow. And they would, it was a 40 acre field. And dad says they would go all the way down 
and then they would stop they would stop the horse they'd rest the horses at each end of the field so they go all the way down and at that end grandpa had gone down earlier with a flatbed and he would drop off several buckets of water and so when the horses would get down there he would water the horses and they would take a 10 minute breather or whatever and then if they came back when they came back they would they were offered water again dad said they'd go all day long and those horses sometimes they drank sometimes they didn't but they were always given the option when they took their breaks so I just think it's really really funny that um, you know I'm they didn't stop in the middle of the field you know what I'm saying okay we just like I said common sense really needs to prevail if if we plan to survive much longer as a race okay <laughs> that wasn't funny was it no we it's just that we're fed so many different so many different things through the media you know hey so-and-so had a really good idea this looks like it's working so on and so forth and it depends on the body type like I said we have the hydrogenoid constitution we have the oxygenoid constitution we have the carbonitrogenoid constitution and each one of those constitutions some need more water than others you take the oxygenoid constitution he's burning up water fluids in his body way quicker than the hydrogenoid constitution the hydrogenoid constitution and we've talked about this in past podcasts I don't know if you listened to all my podcasts or not but um, there was a doctor, a German physicist, and he wanted to know why homeopathy worked. And so he studied the blood of particular specimens, okay, different people. And there, he found that there were higher levels of oxygen in one type of person, higher levels of hydrogen in another person, and higher levels of carbon and nitrogen in other people's blood. And so depending on those blood types, you're either going to, going to need more fluids or different types of food different things like that but generally the oxygenoid constitution people they lived in the mountains they needed higher levels of oxygen in order to survive and be able to work well all day the hydrogenoid constitution obviously they were more the desert dwellers the Indians the you know those people who needed to be able to survive without a lot of fluids in their life so naturally God made them so that they had more water in their blood and these are the types of people again that have less need of water and then you have the carbonitrogenoid constitutions and they're basically probably our first urban dwellers that um, a lot of pastas and sweets and pastries and things like that those are the they're kind of drawn to that and very often those are the types of people who want to carry around a bottle of ice water and sip it that's that's what they like to do anyway <laughs> so it's it's a whole study in, a, in and of itself but we don't always need tons of water so we also have like I say that predisposition to bad bacteria in the body kind of taking over especially the E. coli the E. coli bacteria is naturally present in our gut flora and once in a while like I said if the immune system plummets or drops below where it should that E. coli can take over and it can start to cause a problem and so then you're gonna have a bacterial infection there's sometimes little kids can actually have just retained urine they can have had an emotional experience where they just simply can't pee I had one little girl one time in potty training she was so upset about being potty trained that she literally did not pee for two days and what are you going to do? So that was because that was an emotional trauma. When she finally went, she was completely potty trained, but she was such a smart little girl. Just it was like, it was just the week of her turning two, and her mother was totally distressed, didn't know what to do. 
took her, took the little girl over to, finally she left the house, took her over to her sister's house. And when she got there, she used the sister's, that would be her aunt's potty chair because she had a little girl the same age. And bam, that was it. She went potty and she was able to finally not be quite so stressed out. She went to the bathroom and like I said, that was just, it was, it was amazing. But that's a, a perfect example of emotion because what happened to her as far as what you want me to do what sit on this toilet and go to the bathroom you know (laughs) it's it's just it's a matter of what triggers a person and that's why I started to say here now with the urinary tract infections we're going to talk about things to do for acute conditions so like acute urinary tract infections are those infections or bladder pains that have come on quickly and can be gotten rid of naturally and quickly and I say that have come on quickly I'm saying I'm usually talking acute condition here is this is someone who is just for the first time got bladder pains or bladder issues or the first time they've ever had a urinary tract infection and like I said there are many things that can really trigger it like uh, if for some reason they've had had surgery and had to be catheterized that can trigger a urinary tract infection and then we have like say we're gonna talk about all the different remedies that are kind of famous for that but there's different factors and so like I said if it's it's an injury a trauma something like that that's acute and we'll talk about the remedies that are going to help that for chronic urinary tract infections you can go with the same system that we're going to talk about here for the acute but the problem is if someone has a chronic urinary tract infection that means they have their own personal trigger and a good homeopath will be able to figure that out right away and their remedy the remedy that is most like what their language calls for that'll get them over the chronic I'm not saying it won't bring it back again and you'll have to work with it with the acute remedies but after a year or two of it coming back and then you use the homeopathic remedies to get rid of I had one lady took her case for something entirely different the medical form she never filled in the fact that she had chronic urinary tract infections I didn't know this when I took her case so gave her her remedy and a couple weeks later she calls back and she's screaming oh my goodness I have a urinary tract infection and I was like what because her remedy up to that point was showing such positive healing that I was just shocked I said okay stop um, we need to cancel your remedy da, da, da. And she's I said she goes well why and I says because you've you've never had one before it, you know this has brought something on terrible she goes oh no I've had many urinary tract infections oh my goodness how could we take an entire it was it was crazy but anyway it didn't come up because it wasn't important in her life anymore it was usually when she had her children see that she'd have these infections anyway long story short we had to work with that off and on for over two years because hers she hers had been so chronic for so many years that every time she started healing it would come on the aggravation would be so great she ended up going on antibiotics um, two possibly three times but it would go be much much less chronic and then so after finally she was done having urinary tract infections and she hasn't had any more now for the last three or four years and she's doing really really well but it was really hard because they were so chronic and she had had them suppressed so many times well for over 30 years she had been suppressing yearly or bi-yearly urinary tract infections so it was kind of a lot of work to get them cleaned up and she, but she, and she was older so it wasn't something really simple but like I said once we got them under control 
now they're gone. So that's why I love homeopathy because you're not just suppressing this all the time. Every single time, oh, I have to go on antibiotics. Oh, I have to go on antibiotics. You find what helps the body to heal and that's what you go with. So for the chronic, like I said, we I suggest everyone has their case taken. It's just it's just that simple because then you'll find that trigger factor. It's like the other day I took a case and it was it was really really interesting. It wasn't urinary tract infections, but it was just it was a chronic condition. And this this person had been to two other homeopaths and a naturopath and a chiropractor for for a very serious chronic situation. And anyway, so I took the case and I I was just it was it was really really a fun case, but we came to the conclusion that through the language, like I said, I would just, I would love to be able to tell you more, but it was so much fun. Right in the middle of a paragraph, this patient or this person literally told me what the remedy was. And it was so bizarre. I'd never even heard of this remedy before. And I've heard of hundreds and hundreds. So I went and looked it up. It's actually kind of a common remedy. I just had never had cause to use it before, but that's what they told me the remedy was. Kind of not out of the ordinary it wasn't one of those sentences that didn't totally belong but it certainly didn't need to be there if you know what I'm saying so it's in good case taking the patient will always tell what they need so it's just a matter of a good homeopath will know how to not not suggest the language to the patient but they will have they have a way of soliciting this information from them, getting them to say what needs to be said without actually asking any questions. Just tell me more about that, you know. So it's really, really fun. And when somebody's got these chronic conditions going on, a good homeopath will be able to figure out exactly what their trigger is, and then they'll know what remedy they need. So with that, we are actually going to interrupt this podcast before we begin talking about the remedies that can be so helpful if you know someone that has a urinary tract infection. We're stopping because I'm afraid that our talk will become too lengthy and I just don't want to bore anyone to death. <laughs> it's hard to listen to a really long podcast. So we're going we're gonna to stop now and we will continue it in our next podcast. So please do join us for that next chat. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.